0: And now, the award for the most disgraceful auto industry PR stunt in May goes to Volvo Trucks living the totally greenwashed, fossil-free steel, hydrogen pipe dream. (laughs) You disingenuous, green-utopian Volvo truck twats. Details next. I'm John Cadogan, I get new cars cheap, obviously, that's why I'm here, Australia only, world domination still to come, but do not worry, I've been busily collaborating with Mr and Mrs Evil on that, just like they taught me in Sunday school. Now, if you want a new car cheap, website, card, to save thousands, obviously, thousands, Click it now, dude. Otherwise, it's all going to be Albo's fault. We've gone from a narcissistic liar at the helm to an uncharismatic plotter. Not ideal, obviously, but (laughs) they can agree a net national upgrade. And that's important. Australia's least electable man is now leader of the opposition, so... That's nice. Ivan Malat came close second in that race, as I understand it. All part of the grand plan to make Australia less shit incrementally. One step at a time, dude. We can do this. Go Australia. Now, those crazy Swedes greenwashing themselves like... 15 year olds, Volvo trucks first in the world to use fossil free steel in its trucks. Jesus, get your hands off it, you're in public you Volvo truck masturbate whores. This is actually hydrogen steel green wank number two from them on this issue of alleged fossil free steel. Green wank number one was seven and a half long months ago. Right there, world's first hydrogen steel vehicle Technically not a truck. So now, world's first hydrogen steel truck. (laughs) Frankly, I can't wait for the world's first hydrogen steel bobby pin, world's first bright finished hydrogen steel bullet head nail or M12 socket head cap screw. Bring it. These world firsts of hydrogen steel could really rack up over time. This chronic Volvo truck green steel wank fuckery is, of course, because a Swedish company you've never heard of called SSAB sucked quite heavily on the Swedish government's teat recently to develop a coal-free steel cottage industry process and a Swedish company you have heard of, which also sucks robustly on the Swedish government's teat. We're talking golf ball down a garden hose here. They're very good at it. It's the ideal delivery system for this Himalaya of allegedly green Horseshit. We will increase the use of fossil-free materials in all our trucks to make them net zero, not only in operation, but also when it comes to the materials they are built of. Of which they are built. Jessica, please. Jessica Sandstrom there, a Volvo Trucks bigwig, just troweling it on with an MBA in cement friggin' rendering from Gothenburg University, most Probably. As corporate governmental three-ways go, this one was actually a pretty spectacular PR stunt. Very successful. Journalists just lapped that up, this Volvo Fossil 3 steel crap. It's everywhere on Google. Take a look. Like, Check out these two assholes. Just working for Forbes, David Vetter and Scott Carpenter. Well done, dudes. For not asking a single, some would say, glaring question. Regurgitate those press releases. Apparently that's what journalism is now. That's what I've heard. But what a pity the whole thing is a friggin' sideshow that does not scale, cannot scale, and actually serves to sweep under the rug the greenest possible steel production initiatives, which we could actually implement right now if saving the planet were actually important in comparison to, you know, just producing more bullshit. That is, of course, what is truly disgraceful about this kind of thing. There's a shiny new toy, dumb media, and the result of which is actionable CO2 reduction gets thrown under the bus again for the sake of bullshit and entertainment. Brief technical sideshow on steel, okay? Iron ore, which we proud sons of Anzacs have by the quintillion metric shit-tonne, in the Pilbara, is basically just concentrated rust, okay, iron oxide. There's a couple of different flavours of that, but it's basically rust. Rust is iron plus oxygen, chemically as one, so you just dig it up and then you take it somewhere and heat it up and you make these pellets of essentially concentrated iron ore. This is step one of the steel production process. It's kind of a way of controlling the input side of the steelworks. And then you really, really heat it up to like 16 or 1700 degrees C, which is about um, 3000 F or something with coke, Uh, not the snorting kind. This coke is merely an enriched, more energy-dense form of coal with fewer impurities. It just works better down there. And then the magic happens, where the oxygen in the glorified rust fucks off and shoots porn with the carbon in the pulverised coal. It's beautiful and it's dirty. Perfect, in other words. Together, they fuck off into the sky as CO2, leaving you with a pool of hot, steamy liquid iron, which is almost but not quite steel, and which you further process into steel by reducing the carbon. This decarburisation is done by blowing oxygen up its ass, which is quite entertaining. The first time. More CO2 is emitted, of course, but, hey, you get steel. And then you finish the whole thing off with a brief display of affection in the privacy of a nice, warm crucible, typically, by adding various alloys, depending on the specific cake of steel you happen to be baking that day, like 4140 chrome manganese tool steel or 1045 medium tensile steel or even a zesty 12L14 free machining steel. I really like that one. But anyway, whatever. You just alloy it up, dude. Rather a lot of CO2 gets produced when you make steel, okay? About 1.9 tonnes of CO2 for every tonne of steel. So reduction or elimination is worthwhile, provided it can be implemented, right? Not this Swedish pie-in-the-sky bullshit that's conventional steel making, what I just talked about then. That's how they do it, okay? Almost all steel made globally is made in this way. Nearly 2 billion metric tons annually and rapidly increasing. So that's just under 4 billion metric tons of CO2 just to get the steel that humanity needs to do its thing. Okay, just over half of all steel is made in China currently, and then the EU, India, Japan, USA, Russia, South Korea and Turkey. These would be the top seven global steel makers. And we are, of course, nowhere on that list, despite drowning in the frickin' raw materials, because we are a nation of fuckwits, pretty clearly. But I am... uh ever hopeful that this might change over perhaps geologic time. So, what the crazy Swedes have done is develop an alternative process where the first furnace, which pelletizes the iron ore, is powered by (sighs) bio-oil. Face palm on that. Pro tip, you greenwashing government-funded Swedish assholes. Bio-oil is fine for your pissy little pilot plant, but you can't roll that out on a global scale. This is just awful Swedish greenwashing. It is so freaking cynical, it makes ambient cynicism in society seem properly virtuous. There is simply insufficient canola in the world to roll this kind of thing out, And there's the whole food versus fuel kind of debate to be had on that one too, isn't there? So bio-oil, good for disingenuous Swedish greenwashing and press releases in front of a bunch of dumb journalists and things of that nature, but it's simply not going to scale to global steel production, dudes. Next, in the Swedish process, which is called hybrid, H Y. BRIT, probably the best they could do, is the use of hydrogen, clean green hydrogen, made from electrolysis, from renewable electricity, stored under immense pressure. That's the hydrogen, not the electricity, obviously. 250 atmospheres or something in a convenient rock chamber, deep underground. Because, you know, we just had one lying around. See, instead of coke, to heat and convert the oxygen in the iron ore into CO2 and fuck that off into the sky, upliftingly, to the detriment of the planet. In other words, government-funded Swedish clever dicks inflict hydrogen on the iron ore, and the oxygen in the glorified rust jumps in the sack with hydrogen to form water, which is much, much friendlier to the environment, even though you can still drown in it obviously and sharks live in it even more disconcertingly so there's that so overall their process is quite clever well done provided you make the hydrogen by electrolyzing water using photovoltaic or hydro electricity or wind or something of that nature something renewable which they do at their clever dick pilot plant it's all green up there yay them But dude, that's not gonna scale either, is it? See, according to facts, which are often so fucking inconvenient, about 95% of global hydrogen production on Earth is not green, 95%, not green. Hydrogen gas is actually made by stripping hydrogen atoms away from basic hydrocarbons, mostly methane at high temperature and throwing immense volumes of CO2 into the sky. You don't have to like that, but it's still a fact. 95% of 87 million tonnes of hydrogen gas annually is made from hydrocarbons. And if you use methane, that's about 1 billion tonnes of CO2, not including the CO2 produced from heating the stuff up to make these reactions happen. And they occur at like 1,100 degrees C and 360 degrees. So it's like a two-step process, right? And it involves quite a lot of additional CO2 production for the heat. So there's that. Inconvenient, isn't it? And even if you did roll this out, okay, using hydrogen from electrolyzed water globally, currently two-thirds of all electricity on the planet is generated from fossil fuels. So this is currently not scalable. Essentially, all we have to do to decarbonize global steel production is we have to shut down untold existing blast furnaces around the world, and that's not easy because they run 24-7 and they're really, really hot. And then we have to roll out the new process and change the way we produce hydrogen everywhere and make sure the whole thing never drinks a single watt of fossil fueled electricity. And, of course, figure out how to pelletize the iron ore without planting rapeseed on every square inch of arable land on Earth, perhaps we could just knock down the remainder of the Amazon rainforest and do it there, or plant rapeseed where the Greenland ice shelf used to be, kind of thing. I'm not saying this is not a technically interesting development because it is, but this disgraceful greenwashing of things of this nature just has to stop. They're running with this technology, this story, this pilot plant, they're running with it like, problem solved, dude, we can do steel this way. Green steel is the go now. We've done it. Yay, us. Go, Sweden. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is a goal that cannot be kicked worldwide for 50 friggin' years or something. And we don't have 50 years, right? We need to act now. Effective action has to happen now. This development does nothing for the climate today. And that's what's wrong with a media obsessed with fellating this kind of shit. Like, here's your talking points. Please love us. Now go off and write a nice story that makes us look really green. So in the interest of being constructive here, what might we do today that would be better? And this is easy to answer, right? We just increase the use of recycled steel. See... Recycled steel has no deep desire or need to mate with carbon at 1600 degrees C, like iron ore does. You just melt the stuff and you go again, okay? You can do that in a simple electric arc furnace. And if the electrons are motivated by wind or the sun or something like that, yay, green. Steel recycling is already pretty high around the planet at about 37%, but there is scope for improvement. And every kilo you add to that tally is a kilo that you don't have to make with a blast furnace with coke from scratch, emitting shit tons of CO2, right? So incentives for recycling steel, that'd kick a far bigger goal on climate today than this disgraceful greenwashing hydrogen steel shit, because recycling steel and steel does scale. It's not the kind of thing that would motivate Jessica Sandstrom from Volvo Trucks to slip fresh batteries into the PR machine, I'm pretty sure, but it would constitute more effective climate action this year, like right now not in half a century at best, maybe. Minimum recycled material content for car makers, I think we should all riff air guitar over mandates orbiting initiatives such as that. And so would anyone else who, I don't know, paid attention at university. Like, come on. And here's the bitter pill for the automotive industry on all of this greenwashing bullshit. A kilo of steel you don't use in a car is untold kilos of emissions that you don't make. So how about we concentrate on two more important basic things? Number one, car makers who want to be green, like really green, they have to increase the service life of their vehicles. This is one of the greenest possible things, but it is completely counterproductive to car makers because they're in the throwaway vehicle business. It suits car makers for cars to be disposable because it allows them to sell more new cars. And this simply has to change. Like, would it not be grand if you could update your 2010 shitbox to substantially 2022 technology with a factory-approved upgrade refurb newness pack? This would keep a great deal of those fundamental embodied emissions turning and burning for a great deal longer. Very good for the planet. Not so hot for the sale of new cars, however. The 300,000-kilometre promise. I'm hearing crickets on that one. You cannot be green if all you do is sell as many new vehicles as you can as quickly as possible. And number two, right, they have to reduce the weight. In practice, the car industry does the exact opposite over time. There is a profound vehicular obesity epidemic. And they will, of course, bullshit you about the use of ultra-high tensile steel and its weight-saving potential gigapascal steel. Sounds so good, doesn't it? Plus other alleged weight-saving technology. It's all through every frigging press release on every new car. But in practice, cars just keep getting heavier. A top-spec Toyota Corolla hatch from 2002, two decades ago, weighed 1,100 kilos. The same thing today, 1,390 kilos. That's the obesity epidemic right there. 26% heavier in 20 years. It's even worse if you use the hybrid, which I did not in that assessment because I preferred apples for apples, okay? Those disingenuous pricks in the car industry have not even managed to use all of the alleged weight-saving tech just to keep the weight of models constant over time. And I'm not cherry-picking on the Corolla either. Subaru Forester, another popular mid-size SUV, it's also up more than 200 kilos over the same period of time. And the Hyundai Santa Fe, guilty because I own one, it's up about 300 kilos. This These three examples are not outliers, right? They're typical. It's the opposite of being green, okay, on a deep, fundamental level. More mass equals more impact on the climate, more energy to produce and more energy to move from A to B while the vehicle is in service. It really does not get any simpler than that. You can't save the planet in a bunch of seven-seat hybrid SUVs made of allegedly fossil-free steel, which are designed to be scrapped in 160,000 Ks and which are 200 kilos heavier than the equivalent vehicle two decades ago. The concept that you might do this is clinically insane, Maybe that's why the car industry loves it. I don't know. God did put us here on earth to manufacture bullshit. There's no other explanation as to why humanity is so impossibly excellent at this single thing. I used to think we were here to fill the oceans up with plastic, but we're merely proficient at that, not excellent the way we are with bullshit. In practice, the actionable steps that would make a difference today are getting eclipsed by this indefensible car industry and governmental greenwashing, this corporate and governmental agenda-serving bullshit. And on that front, I'd suggest the Swedish government, SSAB, and Volvo friggin' trucks should hang their heads in shame.